to Murray, to Fox, to Sabonis. Straddles a three-point arc with a left-hand dribble, drops it off to De'Aaron. Steps to his left, Wembenyama there. Feeds it inside to Sabonis. Great assist pass. That was just terrific. Great find from Fox and Sabonis with the first two points of the ball game. Nice way to start on the offensive end with crisp execution by the Kings. Let's think about this for a second. You have two guys putting up historic numbers and everyone else is trying to find a reason to either not believe those numbers or say that those numbers aren't as impressive due to situation, due to the league, due to competition, whatever it is. And those two guys are Domas, DeMontis Sabonis, and Brock Purdy. And I think there is a direct connection and correlation between the two for whatever reason, for different reasons, right? In in general, you have Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft, and there is that line of, well, he's not supposed to be elite. He's got these guys around him. And you have Domas, who I guess doesn't have the highlight plays. Both of them, athletically, they don't blow you out of the water. And people just... Don't think it makes a lot of sense. When Russell Westbrook was putting up all these triple doubles, it made sense. Russ was doing his thing. He's jumping out of the gym, grabbing rebounds, right? When he was doing that, it made sense. When Mahomes was breaking those records and doing different things with Tyreek and the crew, it made sense. He's Mahomes. He's a magician. He looks the part. You have two guys that don't really look the part, and I think that because of that, People aren't giving them their just due. I think Brock Purdy eventually got there. He's still dealing with it. People still say he got carried or whatever it is. They're incorrect. But he got to a Super Bowl, right? So it's it's gotten a little quieter. And we saw and we heard a lot of that once we got to the Super Bowl. Everybody was saying, he's underrated. He's underrated. So bonus hasn't got there yet. And maybe it's because of the postseason and the lack of success there. But I really hope he does because people are really missing what this guy is doing, and it's been beautiful to watch. Yeah, no, and another uh, connection between the two is I would say a lot of people just say flat out, your team can't win Mm -hmm. because he is such an important part of your team. Like, of course, Brock Purdy, that that was directly said about him, is that, you know, Stephen Rees famously, there's no way Brock Purdy is going to win the Super Bowl if the Niners win with Brock Purdy. I will stop covering the sport. And, yeah, and then Sabonis has – And then you got guys like Kevin O'Connor who are like, the Kings cannot win because if you have Debonis Sabonis as your center, you're never going to have enough rim protection. And, you know, he he's not a good enough uh, – you know, he can't shoot well enough to justify how often he has the ball in his hands and all that stuff. And, you know, maybe even parts of that is true, but I think it's the the definitive nature in which they're talked about that just doesn't make sense to – like, why does it feel like, okay, Brock Purdy can't win a Super Bowl, but a guy like Jalen Hurts can? And and why can Demonis Sabonis not win a championship, but then everybody's gushing about Alperin Shangun? And it's like, you why – I don't understand how, how one can get – tons of praise and feel like oh this is just the beginning and and you know he's got tons of room and oh my gosh what is he going to be years down the line and then you have these two guys who just they are what they are they're never going to be better and as a matter of fact they might look good but actually them looking so good is in the long run bad for your team because Mm -hmm. you're going to rely on them so much it's interesting. I think it probably has something to do. Uh, let's not JJ Redick it, but I think it might have something to do with how the sports media landscape is laid yeah. out a bit. But 
it, it is kind of crazy how those two there there's a lot of correlations between the two for sure yeah and I think the the main difference would be I wouldn't say that Sabonis is nobody would say that Sabonis is getting carried I oh, think the yeah. difference is just that people think it's the whole empty calories thing throughout yeah. the regular season you have somebody that can that can I guess take advantage of situations sure. and it's harder to do that in the playoffs. So hopefully Sabonis can can dead those the, those narratives in this postseason and kind of get back on not really the right track, but just get in the national landscape. Yeah. Speaking of, by the way, the national landscape, I gotta say this. Uh oh, JJ. No, I gotta say this right now. <laughs> Malik Monk. You are a, a budding star in this league. We know your story, how you were at Kentucky, highly touted coming out of Kentucky, had a rough go. I mean, even got memed at one point with the whole Michael Jordan yes. slap in the back of the head <laughs> thing. Made your way out of the gutter right from the Lakers, and now you are back to getting a prominence with the, the Kings, and you're about to get it back. If Malik Monk does stay in Sacramento – we talk about getting Sacramento some more cachet in the in the national media. He's got to do the dunk contest mm. just on principle. I think if you yeah. really love Sacramento, Malik Monk, <laughs> as we know you do, you wore the jacket with all the patches on it. Yeah, got Land Park, got Natomas. Yep. Yep. Where else, Chris? Where am I missing? Uh, there's a Roseville on Roseville. there. Roseville. Is there Folsom I on there? I think there's an Elk Grove. There's got to be a on Folsom there. on there. Folsom's on I need there. that jacket. And you look I, good was, in the yeah, jacket, Malik. I you look good it. in the jacket. But if you really want to hold it down for Sacramento, if you remain a king going into next season, yeah. you got to do the dunk contest. It's in you the bay, too. To Right, and it's in the back. Malik, you it's don't easy. even got to get on a plane. Yep, you ain't got to fly. You, you can, can, you can come home immediately. After. There you go, Malik. Let's talk. I got some Bay Area golf courses for you. There you go. We'll both do them. We'll hook up some things so you can be ready for the Tahoe, uh, the Tahoe, <laughs> you, go, yeah. you know, uh, 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 golf competition. We got all that for yep. you. Just do the dunk contest. You have yeah. to. Yeah, that East Bay yesterday was crazy. Uh, yeah, and like, you know, the Bay is not Indiana. So I could see Malik, you know, being a little bit more receptive. It's close. Um, I could see it. I, I really think he, I could. And especially if he signs back here in Sacramento, it would be great, you know, kind of have the Kings have a, a representative in that. I can't think. I guess Ben McLemore was the last King to, to represent uh, in the dunk contest. And uh, he, did, he did okay, but... Uh, I think Malik has a legit, especially if, we, if you're looking at the the dunks that we saw this year, he would have a legitimate shot to do it. It's like do a couple. If he does two between the legs, yeah, to me that's that's winning the competition. Because as we talked about, it's about the ferocity yeah. in the dunks, Oof. and that man dunks yeah. with Hard. bad intentions. <laughs> yes, bad intentions. Spikes. I, it. I think it would be great. Yes, from Lamb Trung Tin. Yes, the celebrity golf tournament in Tahoe. That's what Malik says he's working towards yeah. as he golfed during o- over the All Star break. I mean, I think it would be Malik. You get Malik in there, Kaminga yeah. in the Bay, Ooh, the Battle of the Warriors and Kings in the Bay. Give me that. Alan Styles. Give me <laughs> that. Put this man in the I got my swagger back. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking. Give me that. Inject that into my veins. Get Keegan and Clay. Keegan and Clay. Keegan and Clay doing the three-point contest if you want to double it up. 
De'Aaron and uh, De'Aaron and Steph Pods Keegan. in the in yeah. the skills competition. Right. You know, no, the future of the NorCal basketball. De'Aaron keeps shooting threes like this. That's right. They put they put hot shooters in the three point they contest. Yeah. You could have De'Aaron and Keegan versus Steph and Clay. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't back our horses in no, that one. No. But. Malik and Kaminga. <laughs> yeah, We're back we to Malik there and Kaminga. Go, yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. I would love it. Yeah, that's that's actually a a fantastic idea. Like I I think it wouldn't surprise me too. I mean, we know Vivek has ties with the Warriors. We know just in general this organization has a lot of feelings towards the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if it would be a nice little marketing move and a nice yeah. little jab if you say how crazy or how, how great would it be if we from Sacramento take over y'all all-star game. That's I like that. I, I like, like it a lot. Vivek, I know you're listening. I like listening. it a lot. I got a smile on my face. I know I you're lie. listening. The beam takes over Chase Center. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> should we bring a portable beam they start chanting, to light outside they Chase, start, or should we yes. just light it in sack? They start chanting, light the beam in Chase, oh as Malik gosh. does does a, a, a dunk that to win the whole thing. That is literally what movies are made of. A 360 East Bay Come to win on. it. Come on. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying. I would saying. love it. I would absolutely love it. And then Malik does the light the beam yeah, thing that yeah. Steph in did in game Steph's seven. Face. Oh, my gosh. That's Inject right. that into my veins, That's what please. you need. That's what you need. And, you know, as Malik oh, had it going last night, he was one of five King players to be in double figures and one of four King players to score over 20 points. They stuffed the stat sheet, Chris, which, of course, they did against a team like the Spurs. But does it make you – I know you said a win is a win. Does it make you worried at all that you can have that much balanced scoring and not pull away from a bad team? (laughs) Um. I, you know, no, I'm going to say a win's a win. And, You're sticking uh, to it. I'm sticking I to it. That. I'm going to stick to it. I think a win's a win. Um, you know, if, like, well, the thing is, I could complain about it being a close, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's the first game outside the break. Everybody's going to be a little bit rusty. I think the fact that uh, they took care of what they needed to take care of is what's important. When we look back at this game a week from now, a month from now, six months from now, we're just going to say, hey, they they won this game, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. It was close. It doesn't matter how it got done. Um, and, and that's really the approach that they should take this entire, this entire stretch here. Like, it shouldn't matter if, you know, they beat the Clippers and beat the T-Wolves, but they shoot 32% from three. Like, as long as you're beating those teams – I think it's a positive. I would just spin it and say again, like I said, after they won that Denver game, it's a showing your team that there's more than one way of winning and that you're capable of on a night where your shots don't go in, you shouldn't give up. You should continue to fight because you'll find a way. You found a way in the past and, and you'll find a way in this game. And, uh, you know, it sometimes it's not, it's not always going to look pretty. Shots aren't always going to fall, but that's not going to be an excuse. Every team goes through that and really good or great playoff teams – they find multiple different ways to win and uh, have multiple different contributors. So, um, you know, I know Trey Lyles didn't have it last night, but it, it you know, pulling, it's going to be his night one night. Yeah. Chris Duarte had himself some mm-hmm. good minutes. It, it's gonna, it's going to be on him some night. So, I don't really have a problem with, uh, with, with, uh, with how they got it done. And uh, I, I'd frankly like to see it get done in a ton of different ways. I'd mm-hmm. love there to be a couple different moments for some different guys down the stretch here. Why was it such a close game? We discuss the mm. Spurs anomaly as, again, they shoot way better 
against the Kings as they typically shoot from three-point land. Also, Boogie is moving on from the NBA. Any Boogie memories? Call in Folsom Lake Honda Hotline, 916-339-1140. Southern Watkins, Sacktown Sports. To Murray, to Fox, to Sabonis. Straddles a three-point arc with a left-hand dribble. Drops it off to De'Aaron. Steps to his left. Wembenyama there. Feeds it inside to Sabonis. Great assist pass. That was just terrific. Great find from Fox and Sabonis with the first two points of the ball game. Nice way to start on the offensive end with crisp execution by the Kings. I know I've had my time there. You know, there was a point where I was trying to make that happen. But the place I'm in my life now, just with everything I've got going on, just outside of basketball, like I'm in a good place. So, like I said, I'm excited for what I have ahead and my future. You know, my 12 years in the league were a small chapter or chapters in my life, and I'm ready to move on to the next and see what's in store for me. That is one, Boogie Cousins. I mean, that's... It's you know it's it's uh, it's good to hear. Uh, I think, frankly, I think uh, Demarcus has been trying really hard to uh, get back into the NBA. I think even you know he, he I think it was him who publicized that he had a conversation with Bob Myers that essentially was it's not it's not your play that's keeping you out of the NBA, buddy. It's 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 the attitude and the things that come along with having Demarcus Cousins on your team. Um, and you know, I know he's he's just kind of struggled with that his entire career, but uh, it's it's probably good. I because you know, then you run into guys like Isaiah Thomas, who we all love, but you know, you end up just never really giving up on the dream and really always trying to push for it at every single opening. And it's got to be disheartening. I just think at some point, it's it's good to come to a self realization and say, you know, it, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, and you know, it's not you, running away from the grind. No, I, I, no, I wouldn't call it that. I, even though I do love to call people out. I do on too. That. He's thirty-three years old. Yeah, coming. He did what? The Achilles was probably four or five probably years ago. Probably four or five years ago. Yeah. Something like that. He's thirty-three years old, and a, a coach of mine. He played for the Expos, and I think a couple other teams. Coach of mine once told me, and this is from a different standpoint as far as playing, but a coach told me that once people. It's, basically first impression thing, right? But even deeper than that, once people have an idea about you, it's really, really, really hard to change it. Mm. And there is an idea about Boogie Cousins. He is not the same person he was when he was in Sacramento. I'm right. sure he's he's grown. I would we hope see, so. We see him all over these podcasts and things like that. And he's 33 years old now, but some people can power through it. Some people have different situations that help them power through it, a la Draymond Green, Boogie did not have that situation. And unfortunately, as much as he may have changed or want to change or whatever the case is, you throw – I think this is a completely different conversation if there's no Achilles. I just think Probably. it's a completely different conversation. Right. When you throw in that Achilles and he's a big dude, yep. on top of we got to deal with right. the booginess of it yeah. all, there's just there's just too much talent out there. Yeah. There's just too much talent out there. Yep. I mean – I, I would go as far as to say some people would entertain Dwight Howard before Boogie Cousins. There was yeah, I mean there was rumors that yeah Dwight was I, they were rumors, but mm. rumors that Dwight was trying to enter the league and that the yeah. he wanted to, or he was willing to join the Kings and mm-hmm. things like that. 
Um, yeah, I think you're completely right. It's it's like I use the example of, you know, Tim Tebow and, and you could say maybe Colin Kaepernick in the same realm of, you know, these guys, they, they might be good enough to have as your backup. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, like you said, the distraction Cam. or the all, Cam, absolutely. Cam Newton definitely fits into this where they're just it's too much noise. You don't want, you know, the first time your center struggles media is going to ask, well, you have this all-star sitting over here that's begging for a second shot, and every time we see him, he looks pretty good. Why don't you give him a chance? And, you know, you have to, you know, explain, like, you know, well, this guy's, you know, if we throw him in the starting lineup, he then kind of has a self-entitlement then, and things, it just kind of snowballs and, and things like that. And so it's it's sad. It's kind of a bit by his own doing, but um, yeah, I, I think what your coach told you is completely right. Like, I think that's exactly what this is. I think there's a narrative that is out there about DeMarcus Cousins, and like you said, even if he has changed, even if he's in the process of changing it, I just think it's too hard to change everybody else's mind on, on who he is, and uh, you know, it's unfortunate. And this isn't just a give him a second chance thing. This is probably, honestly, like, I mean, he had tons of chance. I can't even count the amount of chances he had here in Sacramento, but this is probably like his third or fourth chance just in terms of organization too. So I, I just, yeah, I, I'm glad that he's the one calling it quits at this point, not that the NBA was calling him or anything, but I think it's good that he ha- has understood that it's just not going to happen for him. What is a bit weird to me is we're talking about the whole narrative thing and and I'm I'm sure that's a big part of it but he was in Denver and I'm He was in Denver and Milwaukee sure yeah and he Denver, played pretty well. He was with Denver that was yeah. when he was with the Plumbers and yeah. and Jokic I'm yeah. pretty sure he was yeah. backing up Jokic so what happened after that at that point he was playing really well. At that point yeah. you could make the argument yeah I don't remember anything coming out. Yeah. So at but that point the, thing, yeah. the question is did something happen or did the the play start to decline. I don't know. I just know I remember him playing, yeah. and then he was done. Yeah, he was in Milwaukee. He was on a 10-day. Because that was also the thing. Like you said, like maybe he just wasn't in the right structure. Maybe mm. he just needed to be in a winning situation. He was in two winning situations. He played well for the Bucks. The Bucks ended up cutting him. Um, I think that was more of just like a, they have Brooke Lopez and Portis and Giannis. Like they just had too much size, and I think one of their guys was down at that point. Denver's a really interesting one because that's where he was the backup. There was never going to be any questions about him starting with right. Jokic there. He had Mike Malone, who was his favorite coach here in Sacramento and the coach that he's probably gotten along with the most. But I think it's telling, and I I haven't heard specifics or anything really, but I would guess that something happened behind the scenes there because essentially if you look at it, what ended up happening last year is they picked DeAndre Jordan, who can barely – you know, That's get up point. off the bench, That's and they'd much rather have him as their backup than DeMarcus. And then, again, maybe you could argue that that's because, much like what we talk about with Sabonis, his backup, Jokic's backup is playing eight minutes a game. So mm-hmm. do you really need to invest that much into your backup center? Um, maybe it was that, but I tend to believe that it had to do something more with his attitude. And you would much rather just use that spot for a good veteran leader than, again, a guy who might be upset with his role, might feel like he can do more and, uh, you know, frankly, might also cause some headaches too. How will Boogie be remembered for you? For me? Yeah, and his time in Sacramento. Um, as probably the most divisive player that has ever came through this organization, but at the same time, 
maybe behind Chris Webber, the most talented player that has ever stepped foot in Sacramento. And, mm. you know, I mean, there's some moments where, I mean, because me personally, I wasn't in media. I didn't, you know, I, right. I heard from afar yeah. about things that had happened inside the locker room or in planes or <laughs> outside uh, in, in the public. But, um, you know, my my perspective of it from a fan was, yeah, I, I hear all that. I definitely understand it. I don't necessarily co-sign it, but with where we're at as a franchise, we can't be kicking guys like this out the door. Mm-hmm. He's I understand, you know, he would get mad at his teammates. And me as a fan, I would say I understand that because if I'm out here putting 35 points, 15 rebounds, mm-hmm. seven assists, now I'm shooting threes, and then I'm kicking it out to a wide-open Ben McLemore because I'm triple-teamed, and he's thudding it off the rim, and then you bring in Nick Stauskas the next year, and you bring in XYZ player year after year after year, and it stops working. I was just like, I get it. I would be upset too, but uh, I think eventually it got to a point where it just kind of became one too many things, and uh, you know, like I said, he's the most divisive player I've ever seen come through here. I think the overall memory of DeMarcus is going to be you probably have half of your friends love him and half of your friends cannot stand him. And probably he probably lost some Kings fans there. Like I, there was a lot of people now, I don't know if they were just crying wolf, but there was a lot of people who said, I will not watch. I will not support a team that has this guy out there. So I, I truly think um, I've never seen a player split a fan base like DeMarcus did. Barring any legal stuff right yeah. that is that happens outside sure. of the court is he the most and you can only speak for boogie and you know what he meant for the kings but i'm just trying to think of other players as far as who is more divisive and the obvious draymond. the obvious comp would be draymond yeah. but i think that you would talk to most warrior fans they and love him most of them do love yeah. him yeah. it's just how much is that draymond though how much of that is the? I think yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. If because that was always the thing we said. If here the in Warriors Sacramento. stunk, but Draymond and and Draymond the least Draymond guy, and he's con- he is directly connected to Steph, mm-hmm. right? If if Boogie had a Steph, I'm not saying championships, but just right. somebody that he was connected to, to where you sort of don't get full blown Steph without Draymond. Right. If there was that person. For Boogie, would Boogie be viewed the same way? And to your point, I mean, you got Ben, you know, Kansas, great, sure. (laughs) But you got guys that just couldn't cut the mustard. So, you know, I guess we'll never know. Everybody is going to remember Boogie, remember Boogie in different ways. But we do wish him the best in all of his future endeavors. Like I said, he's been on a bunch of podcasts, was in a picture with Vivek during All-Star Weekend. (laughs) Yes, and Boogie Boogie will be fine. I think he has a, a very... He, he's, he's, he's doing stuff with up the smoke. Uh, all the he's smoke on right all the, I, yeah. I see him on my feet all the yeah. time. He's, he has a Rachel Nichols pod. I, I think, think he he has a he is charismatic in a unique way. Yes, I think that definitely. we normally see certain guys, and we we are now in the age where no filter is cool. And Boogie was <laughs> right. just a little bit ahead of his time, and he had no right. filter because it's getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. So good. Now we're getting to that point to where people want to hear that side, and I'm sure Boogie is going to. Tell his side of the story. You have one side and the other yeah. side somewhere he in the middle. Really of the hasn't truth. talked about Sacramento that much, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure it'll come yeah. up. It'll come out, and I'm sure it'll yeah. pop yeah. whenever it oh, does because pop. it was it was what a time to be alive. When we get back, we discuss 
the anomaly of the three-point shooting with the Kings against the Kings continues. There are hitters' ballparks. Maybe Golden One is just a shooter's <laughs> arena. Can we go with that? Sals and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Sabonis straddles a three-point arc with a left-hand dribble, drops it off to De'Aaron, steps to his left, Wembenyama there, feeds it inside to Sabonis, great assist pass, that was just terrific, great find from Fox and Sabonis with the first two points of the ball game, nice way to start on the offensive end with crisp execution by the Kings. The Spurs normally shoot 33% from three. Let's see, Chris, you probably know what the number is already. So let's go to Nate. Nate, why don't you guess what the Spurs shot from three-point range last night? They normally shoot 33%. Okay, so I was working the game last night. Um, I I think in the third quarter, G-Man said they're shooting about 40%. No, 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 halftime. I think Jason said they were shooting about 40 but I saw Wemby miss some threes in the second half. So through detective work, I'm going to say high 30, like 38, 38 and a half. They shot 44% last night. I'm going to go three. quarter by quarter, as a matter of fact. Please do. At the end of the first quarter, they were four of six, shot 66.7%. That was, was that Vassell? Uh, that was two of two from Vassell, two of two from our guy Julian Champagny, who I thought was going to have another masterclass. Uh, at Golden <laughs> That's One a great Center. last name, by the way. It's pretty great. Is uh, he a king killer now? He's officially well. No, he didn't. He didn't end up having a great night, but it was on track too. He only finished with ten. Um, but anyways, yeah. At halftime, so first quarter, sixty-six percent. Halftime, Nate just mentioned they were shooting fifty percent. Oh, half-time. fifty. Okay, so I would. Right. Uh, end of the third quarter, they were shooting forty, and then at the end of the game, forty-four. Oh. So they were just knocking it down all game. It's not like they got hot at any particular time or anything like that. They were, I guess you could say they got cold in the third quarter. But uh, besides that, they they were knocking down threes okay. like like it was nothing. Look, just, just hear me out here, right? Todd Helton, these <laughs> Rockies, and it's hard for them to get into the Hall of Fame yeah, because right. their numbers are boosted. Okay, uh, the Kings offensively very good themselves. Yeah. Coors Field, a hitter, hitter's ballpark. Sure. Maybe Golden One is just a shooter's arena. Yeah. There's something to it. Anthony Edwards has said that this is his uh, favorite arena to shoot in. He said he likes the rims, I think, or it might have been the backboard. I know people have talked in the past about how, like, the depth perception of how the backboard looks to the seats in the back matters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's because if it's like I know like uh, L.A. has like the the spotlight shooting, right. and so and I don't know. A if lot of teams don't shoot well. Yeah, there. It's like I don't know if that's better or worse. So I guess it's it's worse. So um, yeah, I mean that you know as crazy as it sounds, it really could be a thing that players just 
do like the 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 rims or the backboards here at Golden One, and unfortunately, it might just be something we have to deal with. And hopefully, at some point, it helps us. How does that affect them? But you know, they're always saying like, "Oh, the crowd doesn't matter. Oh, the people in the crowd don't. Those don't affect me." Like when I'm shooting free throws and stuff. Right. But how does the depth perception of the seats and the backboard and the the off color of the rim and all this stuff. You just got to be a hooper. Just yeah, <laughs> I'm not a hooper, a, I guess. Hooper I'm, not, I'm no <laughs> Kyle. I can't dunk. You, you, you can't dunk, and neither can no. Kyle with the basketball. No, you got to be a hooper. I, I don't know. It's just crazy for me because you watch the game, Chris, and it didn't look like it's never egregious. It has not been egregious to me. The Kings' three-point defense. There are yeah, days where it looks egregious. Yes. There are days. Yeah. And we'll call them out on those days, but last night did not look egregious to me. No, yeah, me either. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday was not like one of those days. We've used, I guess, an excuse of maybe you're letting these guys get hot beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really wasn't or get open looks even beforehand. I don't think that was the. Came I don't hot. think that was the case. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, our guy uh, Devin Vassell just just hit some really tough threes, and uh, honestly. We we need to be thanking Wemby again because Wemby is the really the only reason why their percentages was down so much. He was one of six from three. Would they have been at fifty percent or right at fifty percent if he didn't take those shots? Uh, if you take five threes away, they would have been eleven of twenty. So yeah, they would have wow. been over fifty percent. Thank you, Wemby. Yeah, thank you, Wemby. Appreciate it. Or I guess if you take Wemby completely out, they just would have been ten of twenty. Right. Three, so fifty yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Right. Yeah. 10 of, actually 10 of 19 so over 50%. Wow. Over 50% if you take out Wemby threes. I don't know what to do with this and it's th- scary. Those are two two things that we wanted to pay attention to for the Kings going into the second or the the last third of the season <laughs> and obviously this is just game this is just the first game going into it and they got a W so we're not taking anything away from them at this point a win is a win is a win but it was the three-point defense and the free throws. Yeah. And both of those yep. things. They didn't take many free throws. But they, they did didn't not take. Uh, it, actually, I, I don't mind a game like that. There just either. weren't very many free throws on either side. Either, either way. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm good with total. that. Yeah. But as far as how the Kings did from the free throw line, 71.4%. They were 10 for 14. Yep. It, you got to take it. It's not terrible. Yeah, you, I, you could just point at individual. Like De'Aaron missed two in a row, didn't he? I think he did. I think De'Aaron missed two in he a did. row. HB missed one, and I think Trey missed one, and that's really it. I mean, yeah, it, it's more so just. I, I think I said it yesterday on on the post game, but my problem with De'Aaron going two of four is more of the sense of. I mean, we talk about the merchants all the time, right? Like Shea's getting to the line twelve times, Giannis is getting to the line twelve times, and B's getting to the line twelve times. Those dudes are hitting like. 11 or 12 worst case like 10 yeah and if De'Aaron's missing two and he's only taking four it's just it's a good point it's just it's it's upsetting because he should ideally be one of those people who's getting 10 or 12 free throws in a game but it's also frustrating because I I don't know if he's going to knock them down and you have to be able to knock those things down and that's how De'Aaron frankly could have stayed up at 30 points per game if he could get to the line like those other guys do now I know we say all the time we like that he plays with integrity but at the same time man like it, it's an easy way to get points it's the easiest way of getting points is getting to the line and knocking him down it's funny you say that about not being a a foul merchant because De'Aaron is signed by Steph Curry 
yesterday Steph Curry had some things to say because he had however many 32 whatever he had and he only got to the line once or twice yeah. and if you talk to Warriors fans they think he never gets yeah. to the line as far as the drives I know yeah. that the threes are a little bit different, different and Steph said last night I've never been, I've never complained about calls or been a foul baiter and I wonder did that go into Steph's thought process in signing De'Aaron hey huh. I like how De'Aaron plays he doesn't whine he doesn't flail his arms yeah. he does he, he's not a foul merchant anything like that because you're right I personally don't have a problem with De'Aaron not leaning into being I a foul know, merchant yeah. my problem is you're missing the threes or you're sorry you're missing the free throws yeah there's no point of him foul baiting if he exactly. don't want to go to the line yep. he doesn't want to go to the line and to your point he missed two free throws he's at 30 last night He's literally at 30 yep. if he makes those two free throws. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that a, simple. It's literally as simple as that. And uh, I just think at some point, I, I hate to keep saying it, but I just think it's going to come back and bite this team. I just think that their 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 lack of attention at the free throw line, it's it's a killer. Because what, De'Aaron missed, it, it was two in a row as well, wasn't it? I don't think he split two different free throw attempts mm-hmm. or two different attempts. Uh, 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 trips to the line I'm pretty sure it was just back it was the good old-fashioned crumble cookies Mm -hmm. free throw uh where he missed them both at the same time and those things can be complete momentum killers I would almost rather have it than he misses one in each trip because you know you you, who knows sometimes you might only need one point but Mm -hmm. the scary thing is he if there's a possibility fourth quarter and some gotta have it free throws that he's just gonna miss them both like that's that's really scary to have from the guy who's got the ball in his hands just about as much as anybody else on this team yeah I'm excited Excited to see what comes up, and I'm sure Brendan Nunez, once he gets better, of course. and Frankie Cardicelli, when they get to practice, what happens? Because we weren't really oh, sure. Nobody's right. really sure what that, that free chart, throw leaderboard right? means. Yeah. So based on, if we think, if yeah, is it practice? Is it the actual game? So based on if it is the actual game, you would have... Keegan Murray was two for two. Fox, like we said, two for four. Barnes, one for two. How about Sabonis not getting to the line at all? At all. Night? Malik Monk was four for four. You love to see that. Yeah. Trey Laws, one for two. So would Malik Monk be the free? Is it is it made free throws or percentage? Uh, We don't know. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would probably do percentage and then give a nod more so to like, hey, like Keegan might have a higher percentage. But like you said, he took two. Malik took four. Malik should be in first. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really good way. I, I haven't really given it much thought, but that sounds like a way to motivate De'Aaron Fox, frankly, is mm-hmm. you know who's not going to – you know what's pretty embarrassing is if you're the best player on the team and you're at the bottom of that list. Yeah. That's the type of thing that I think sparks De'Aaron's competitive nature. And, you know, something as simple as that could really be uh, something that, that makes him – he's not going to be a 95% free throw shooter, but – just to kind of bring him up more so to where you feel like he should be at, hovering around 78%, somewhere near there, maybe raising it at this point to the season, uh, going from 70 to 75 74% would be huge for him. So I think it should work out. I like the logic of, of you know, using these guys' competitive fire to kind of hold them accountable, and, and we'll see if it works. I think it probably will. When we get back, we are taking a quick break from the Kings and getting back into it to discuss the Oakland, I'll say Oakland in little asterisks for now, Oakland A's and how bad they look. Not only have they turned off replies on basically 
every every social media that is associated with them. Now the word on the street is that for Fans Fest that is coming up quickly here, even though the fans have raised over 40000 not only did the A's not have their own Fans Fest, they are now threatening sponsors and getting them to pull out of Fans Fest. It's just despicable. Sounds and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Gives to Monk with a behind-the-back pass. Monk in the paint, clears it out to Fox. Eight on the possession. He feeds it. No, he fakes it, fires it, and scores the three. I thought when he made the fake that he was surrendering to Sabonis, but instead he knocked down the triple. Kings regain the lead. The A's are struggling. That's basically an evergreen statement at this point. And it's really it's really sad, Chris Watkins, to see how this whole thing is going down. Fans Fest is tomorrow. And what we're seeing and what we're reading is that the the fans, the A's fans, they raised money, right, because the A's weren't doing a Fans Fest themselves. Not too long ago, the Giants did theirs. So the A's decided they weren't going to do a Fans Fest. Then, on top of that, the fan-created Fan Fest, they got sponsors. They raised over $40,000. Then, all of a sudden, a sponsor dropped out, right? The sponsor was going to provide beverages, things like that. Sponsor drops money as well. Sponsor drops out. And people are seeing the crumbs here. And I don't know if it's officially official that that's what happened, but people are kind of reading between the lines that the A's, this is from a tweet, Coliseum Sewage. The (laughs) A's, this is from that account, the A's really hate their fans so much, they not only refuse to hold a fan fest, they refuse to participate in a fest that fans donated over 40000 to put on themselves, and now they're threatening event sponsors and trying to get them to pull out. That should be national news. Now, again, I don't know if there is a – if they can completely – if anybody's completely confirmed this, and yeah. feel free. There's so much information going on. Feel free to, to, to let us know if it's – I don't know how you confirm it. The A's are going to say, yeah, we told them yeah, to, we definitely to pull did that. out. That was us. <laughs> yeah, we told them they would lose our sponsorship – or our deal yeah. if they went ahead and did you that. You could connect some dots. And, you know, some of the comments that we were reading before the show, Chris, they are at war with their own fans. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this. I haven't either. And just to add a little bit more context to why this is – why the, the sponsor pulling out is especially um, inconvenient, I'll say, for, for these people throwing events. I mean, I, we've I've helped out with our station events a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I mean, we have – a great staff of event staff that that do fantastic jobs every single time we throw events. But there's a lot of like back end things that nobody like something as simple as so this this beverage sponsor was going to be was a massive sponsor. Like they were gonna get they were a title sponsor, I'm pretty sure. Uh they were gonna be, you know, their logos would be thrown on just about You've all heard of the of banners. Them. You've heard of them. They now have to go and reprint 
every single banner that had that beverage company on there and that costs money they then just throw out those other banners those are now just completely useless like this is a it might seem like a small thing for them to do even if it doesn't seem like a small thing however big or small you think it is it's even bigger than what you think it is in terms of the annoyance that it causes and again this thing is fans fest is tomorrow tomorrow. so they have to get this turned around really really quickly this story this story broke was it Tuesday or a couple days, maybe ago, even yeah. Wednesday. This they did not give a couple days. They ago, did not yeah. give people time, and this is from the two hundred nine A's are denying they had any involvement. Yeah. Of course, cool thing is that over ten breweries stepped up to fill the void. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and I believe the uh, the people who are throwing the event as well. Um, and you know, someone said, "Is it radical to speculate that the A's had something to do with this?" And they say, "No, it's not. They've already reached out to other sponsors of ours and requested they pull out." Uh, they said they won't comment on what sponsors specifically denied their last request. Last dive bar, yes, the yes. live di- last dive bar, yes, that's what it is. Last dive bar, who is uh, one of the 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 groups, the one of the big groups throwing this event. Um, and helping pull it on. They're doing fantastic work, yeah, by the way. Dave was rocking one of their shirts yeah. during during one of the shows. I think that was last week, and that is tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Jack yeah. London Square, my old stomping ground. So if you are in the area or don't mind a, a little drive and you're an A's fan, go yeah. check it out and hang out with like-minded A's fans. It's so cool that they're doing this, too. I mean, I, I just think of, like, this is exactly what I would have expected something from Sacramento Kings fans to do mm-hmm. if the Kings would have done a similar thing during their relocation saga. Um, it's just awesome. Like, it's a great sign to people who are paying attention that – all the narrative out there and, you know, even people, if you look at the comments are like, you know, uh, why, why are like, you know, why are these fans going against this team? Like against the team, like all this stuff for people who don't get it. Like it's a great sign to show. Yeah. Fans raised $40,000. All of these companies came together and look at the turnout that, that I'm sure it's going to be insane. Um, it's going to be all over all the news stations down there. I hope uh, we know our guy Casey Pratt for sure is oh, going to be down there I mean, covering Casey's everything. Doing outstanding work, yeah. by the way, on that whole on the whole situation. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, and uh, yeah, I, I just hope that it gets the attention that it deserves because, frankly, it should be talked about. ESPN should be talking about this. MLB Network, I'm sure, isn't going to talk about it because that's linked with the owners, but yeah. they should be covering this. Um, every single person who covers baseball should have. Uh, something about this event happening on their socials because this is awesome. And this is not, I mean, especially from baseball, you just wouldn't expect this from a pretty muted crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like this is more of a, a, a you know, tailgates or, or, you know, if you look at a Buffalo Bills tailgate, yeah. that's the type of, of people that you feel like normally follow football. Baseball, I, I just wouldn't expect this from a, from a baseball team's fan base. I'm going to say something, Chris, and I hope, you don't take it the wrong way. And I don't think you will because you fall in both categories. Sure. And this goes to one of the comments that we saw on this post or posts about the A's. And I would just say this. We don't police fandom on the show. And you can be a fan of whoever you want for whatever reason. But all I'll say is this. If you are a fan of a team where you don't live in the area, that's cool, right? That's yep. fine. But you should not be speaking on 
whether Facts. they move or not, yep. and how that should affect you and trying to speak on how other fans that are in the area, right. how they should react to things. Totally. Because I know, obviously, you're a Kings fan, so right. it's just different between if, if Minnesota, if the Vikings move, yeah. I would say you shouldn't speak on how yeah. Minnesota fans right. feel about that. So to see A's fans and Raiders fans did the same thing, and we know the Raiders were in L.A. and they, they were in different places. So when Raiders fans say, well, what's the big deal? They're leaving Oakland and you're a Raiders fan right. wherever in the country. That is not your place to speak on that. Yep. It's not your place to speak on that. We saw it was a, a he's an A's fan and a Knicks fan, and he <laughs> has no context at all. I don't know if he's ever been in the Bay Area. Just some random dude on social media saying, I don't get why A's fans are behaving this way. You're a fan of a team for a city that you don't live in. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just don't speak on that. Right. Because it, 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 it shouldn't matter to you. Right. Because you're still going to be a fan either way. It's not affecting your day-to-day. It's like not it affecting your, your, your day-to-day. So yeah. I that's that's all I'll say. You can be a fan of whoever. Yeah. But you should. That is a when it comes to the city and fans, or that, that's that's where they live. I don't think that you should speak on that stuff. Yeah, no, I I definitely think that's fair because there's so many like you know it's just again it's the day to day stuff that you just don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we were having the conversation of on a on a way lesser mm-hmm. note on a way less serious note, like how Raider fans should feel about the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl, right? Yeah. It's like. The, the people in the area just kind of understand that at a different level mm-hmm. than what, yeah, your Raider fans from from L.A. might right, think. Like right. It's just a different level of understanding that you're not going to have unless you're in the area. You have family, you have mm-hmm. friends, you have coworkers that you that deal you gotta with hear literally it. every single day. Yeah, I don't know no Chiefs fans. No. I mean, they, they got my homes next year, too. Yeah. What, what They're going to lose. Oh, I feel great they're losing the Super Bowl. I got to deal with my cousin Ronnie right. every single day if the Niners win. Right. So, you know, like we said, you can be a fan of anybody, but when it comes to city-specific stuff, yeah. you should, not, relocation you stuff. should yeah. not be speaking on that. Just sit, it, just sit this one out because it doesn't affect you. Yeah. It doesn't affect you. When we get back continuing the conversation, also going to get back into some Kings talk predicting – the next four games, and they will be tough. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports.